but you know, even that doctor who saw him said, mm, your blood pressure is a little bit high, but I'm not really concerned about it. And so there was, you know, no warning. He was 32 because I could see the faces of the people standing outside the ER. Yeah, when you, when you drove up. Playing yeah. frisbee with him. Guys I knew well, and I could see their faces and I knew. And then our friends, you know, met me in the parking lot and told me. And it's one of those things where you just feel like a bomb has gone off and leveled yeah. everything in your life. That was him. He wanted to shepherd and invest in anybody around him. And, mm -hmm. you know, but that was just the Holy Spirit working in him. That was the Lord. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That's why we do this. My name is Mitch Schultz, and I am your host, and I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Let me remind you that you can go to our website, www.beforeyouquit.us, and I am kind of proud of myself in a way, in sort of a humble brag way, <laughs> that I have uh, put out, I think, 26 podcasts already, and I'm consistently putting these out every two weeks. I think I messed up one time and let three weeks go by. But that's because my son was visiting. We don't see him that often. He just got a position as an apprentice at the Actors Theater of Louisville. And so he left a ministry called Student Life Ministry and uh, was with us for about two weeks. So, hey, I just took kind of July off and did not do a whole lot. So we are back and um, excited about what we're going to be talking about today. A uh, very uh, hard story that we're going to be talking about. Let me give some backdrop to this. In 2013, my wife and I had probably the most interesting year we've ever had in our 30-some years of ministry. We had just resigned from pastoring a church in the mountains of North Carolina, Franklin, North Carolina, and uh, had, had a month or two to kind of get our bearings again after having come out of a difficult situation. Probably a story I'll tell sometime. Uh, but the district that we were working for uh, asked us if we'd be interested in going to Augusta, Georgia to uh, replant a church that had closed. Now, what that means is that you come and you take the group that's left. Uh, there were about 40, 30, 40 people from the church that had closed. And our mission, our responsibility, our task, if we were willing to take it, <laughs> was to take that group and start a new church. And it was very difficult, very challenging. And it ended up being a whirlwind year, a lot of amazing, good stuff, hard stuff as well. And what we're going to be talking about today is, is one hard thing that had happened there, not to us, but to, to another family. So several weeks into this uh, mission that we chose to take on, uh, I realized I could not do this alone. So, And I'd had some conversations prior to going there, but this uh, took on some real legs once we got there. But I, I wanted to partner and join a network based in Columbia, South Carolina called uh, Crossroads. And um, so it, it was out of that relationship that a dynamic couple from Columbia had been working with uh, Columbia Crossroads. They had two or three churches that they had started up there. Uh, this couple um, named Chris and, and Carla Gerlach moved down our way and they joined uh, our effort of planting several churches out of that one church that had closed. So that's um, some of the amazing things that came out of this is we went there to, close, to take a group, replant them, and uh, ended up connecting with two other churches that, that joined the network. 
and Chris and Carla were a significant part of all that happening. So we were really encouraged, really excited about what God was doing through our group and as the other churches came in and joined. And uh, But it all came crashing down. It changed dramatically when something unexpected and tragic happened to Chris, uh, who was really a key, a catalyst to uh, what was happening there. And I'm not going to say any more because I'm going to I'm going to allow uh, Carla, his wife, to uh, tell that story. And I have a, a deep honor, a real privilege, to talk to her this morning. She uh, she's a hero of mine, extremely resilient, strong woman. But she's going to talk about what happened and how she survived, and uh, also how God rebuilt her broken world in only, only the way He can. So let's jump into that conversation right away. All right, uh, Carla uh, Gerlach, so good to see you. Thank you. <laughs> of course, I, I see you. Other people are just going to hear you. I really appreciate you willing to take the time to tell your story today. Oh, I'm so glad to. Well, thanks again. Um, so our, our connection is uh, goes back about three or four years. We were in transition out of pastoring in Franklin and were assigned or appointed to work in Augusta, Georgia where I was asked to replant a church that had closed. And you and Chris were up in Columbia. And uh, were, what was Chris's position up there again? Um, well, Everything. We used, to, <laughs> we used to joke that he went out to lunch with pastors and played ultimate Frisbee. But I know he did a lot more than that. <laughs> so <laughs> basically, he was in Columbia. He was, um, he was the workhorse. He, would, he was the guy who got things done. Yeah, yeah. Done. And he also had an incredible ministry with uh, some homeless um, folks downtown. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this yeah. was Columbia Crossroads, which was a network yeah. of churches. And uh, he was he was significant, and and you guys were significant in starting up uh, the downtown work. And uh, so anyway, we we connected with you, and we were living in Augusta with this overwhelming responsibility of. Uh, trying to figure out what to do with a church that had closed. And mm-hmm. um, we, I started talking to Jeff Shipman, who led the Cro- uh, Columbia Crossroads work up there. And, they, and everyone started thinking, you know, hey, Chris and, and, and Carla would be great to help down in what we call yeah. the Savannah River uh, ministry or Crossroads Savannah River. And uh, so you guys ended up being part of what we were doing there. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that was uh, like in the early stages. But uh, it, it all changed. Uh, in fact, for you, it was the hardest. Your world turned upside down uh, in October of, of 2013. And uh, let's start there. Tell us what happened. Okay. So um, where we were in life right then was we had a five-year-old, three-year-old, and baby, almost one-year-old. And um, our three-year-old, um, we had adopted just about a year and a half or so before that from Uganda. And so um, where we were as a family and where I was is we were struggling with being overwhelmed with kind of parenting and Mm -hmm. mixing parenting and ministry and, you know, all those things. And so I personally was really struggling with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. um, from just being a young mom with, a lot of needy kids and, um, you know, just a lot of stuff going on. And so, um, I got to see how Chris loved me 
through so much hmm. hard things that I was going through. And um, so we moved to Aiken in um, August of 2013 to help plant um, the church that we were all working on together. Mm-hmm. And um, so Chris had been working with them for many months before that, but we finally, he, he said, we moved the whole circus, you know, and the circus yeah. has come down. Yeah, I remember, I remember that moment where it was yep. like, okay, we're just going to do it. And uh, yep. I remember everything. having supper at your house where it's like, this, this is really happening, you know? And Yeah, and we were, we were so glad because it was a really great thing as far as um, Chris's fit and his gifting and the way the Lord was growing him as a leader. Um, it really was a good time, like a really good fit. And we felt like, absolutely the Lord is doing this. And mm-hmm. so, um, we have been in Aiken for six weeks. Um, and Chris went from Aiken to Columbia one Friday afternoon to play ultimate Frisbee <laughs> with a bunch of friends and some pastors. And, um, he passed away during the, um, game. Um, he had a widow maker heart attack, which is what we call it, you know, mm-hmm. and that, LAD, you know, was 95% blocked and we, there was also an 85 and a 65. There was so much blockages. We had no clue. We had no idea. Well, he had seen the doctor just a week before that, right? And, and had well, because a clean bill of health. His snoring was yeah. getting worse and I mm. made him go. <laughs> Mm. And so I do think, you know, that probably was somewhat of an indicator, the snoring kind of getting worse and um, everything that Chris did was loud. Absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Such a loud person. But, he was know, a vivacious guy for vivacious. sure. So you're saying even in his sleep, he was. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> his snoring was getting louder. But, you know, even that doctor who saw him said, mm, your blood pressure is a little bit high, but I'm not really concerned about it. And so there was, you know, no warning. He was 32 and um, just passed away right then wasn't able to be revived and um i actually found out in, i had a long drive from aiken to columbia and i still mm-hmm. think about that drive all the time um of just the desperation of not knowing if what was going on not knowing yeah you so you got a phone call just someone very mm-hmm. bluntly told you what had happened and well just so. said they, well they just said he wasn't conscious that's all i knew he wow. wasn't conscious. Mm-hmm. so i packed him some clothes and, um, I don't think I really packed anything for myself or the baby, mm. but I just kind of packed, um, him an outfit and, um, rushed to Columbia and found out in the hospital parking lot. Um, you know, but it, the Lord allowed just some of our absolute best friends to be the one who yeah. told us, but I knew even before they said it, because I could see the faces of the people standing outside the ER yeah, when you, when you drove up. Playing yeah, frisbee well, with them, guys I knew well, and I could see their faces, and I knew. And then our friends, you know, met me in the parking lot and told me. And it's one of those things where you just feel like a bomb has gone off and leveled yeah. everything in your life. It's like you don't even have any framework for dealing with it. You know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I remember uh, I I had been in Columbia myself that night. I was working on. Uh, chaplaincy training and had an evening um, residency type of thing there and was just back home, got a, got the call that this mm-hmm. had happened. And I remember turning around, driving back up and, and seeing the scene you saw, a lot of people standing around and mm-hmm. found you inside. And yeah, you're right. No one, no one has a grid to, for this to fit into. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's so unexpected. It's so unusual. 
Um, but you know, even in that, I saw how the Lord worked so personally just mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. me, for what I needed in all those moments. And um, I can see just these little details of how he orchestrated what I needed to walk at each moment, not mm. even maybe the next hour or the next day, but at each moment I can see how he was so personally kind and caring for me. Yeah. So what, what, what were some of the first things that you clung to that, uh, that helped you during that time? Um, Cause again, I mean, I use the term your world turned upside down. I mean, that's, that's, that's did. not even the best way to describe it. I mean, this is, you mentioned a bomb falling. Mm-hmm. That's, that's more apt, I think. I think, um, I think just community and family, um, the willingness of people to just drop everything and mm-hmm. do whatever we needed. I mean, I was in the wrong city. He, he passed away in Columbia. My house was in Aiken. And, um, you know, we basically took over, you know, someone's house, our, our, mm-hmm. our great friends, the Summers. We just took over their entire house. I was sleeping in somebody's bedroom that was living with them at the time. And she just, said, yep, mm. stay in my room. I'm going to stay somewhere else. Like, and we had, we just instantly, you know, my family, obviously, and Chris's family are just incredible. But we also just saw how people were almost like they were being equipped to carry us. Well, that's what the body of Christ yeah. is for, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this is another reason why church is so important. I mean, of course, you were in ministry, mm-hmm. uh, but can you imagine not having that, you know, and, and not having that support base. And a lot of people do, you know, we, we see a lot of people face tragedy without that community around them. And it's, uh, and you don't have arms to fall into, you know, it's probably the best way to describe it, which you did. I saw it. It was, it was phenomenal. I really witnessed a witness to how God was, was using you. Uh, You know, again, the, 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 the logical, uh, reaction for all of us, and and I'm sure you you had to process this yourself. Is so much good was happening up to this point. Um, what what was what was happening that was good right right then? That uh, well, um, let's see. Chris had been in ministry for about eight years at that point, and he was really seeing the Lord working. And as his wife, I could really see how some of the hard stuff that we walked through with our um, adoption, like how we had never really been through anything tough at that mm-hmm. point until, mm-hmm. until we started adopting from Africa. And it was, you know, a very stretching and growing process, like for our faith and for our relationship. And I was seeing in this season after where, you know, we were helping to plant this church, I was seeing all of this growth in Chris, mm-hmm. like leadership kind of growth. And I was seeing him respond and like lead out of that previous tough season that we had been in. I could mm. see how the Lord had re- been refining his faith and he was able to kind of lead out of that tough mm. stuff that we walked through together. Um, and I actually got to watch him walk through, you know, church planning's messy. It's hard. I mean, even if a church has mm-hmm. been around a hundred years, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. messy. It's hard. Relationships are messy. And so um, I, he was, he was going through some tough ministry stuff. Um, and I got to see him respond with so much kindness and forgiveness when he could be very defensive and offended. Mm-hmm. Like Chris was very unoffendable. I feel like he taught me how, you know, how he, how he walked that out. Um, and so I got to see him respond and lead in ways that I had never 
seen before. And I know it wasn't him. I know it was the work that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit was doing through him. And um, yeah, and he and he was a guy too that uh, whatever he did, it turned out good. You know, he was he was effective in his ministry, which is why it was logical to bring him down to uh, to expand this network down in our area. Um, oh, so well, again, I, mean, I, I was yeah. going to add one thing. Um, this is just neat, neat, neat. In Aiken, his office was Dunkin' Donuts. And I, you personally, Mitch, went to a lot of meetings at oh, yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, yeah. with I hate Dunkin' Donuts um, coffee. <laughs> Adventures in church planning is you don't get to have an office. Um, and so one thing that um, just sparkles from that period that you and I were talking about is um, I got – I now have gotten to read some of his journals. He was journaling on his iPad Mm -hmm. a lot and gotten to read one of his journals. And one thing that has always stuck with me is he was writing days before he passed away. He was writing stuff like, Lord, help me to be a pastor to these ladies that I work with here at Dunkin' Mm -hmm. Donuts every day. He wrote out their names and he was praying that the Lord would help him to pastor them. And that was him. He wanted to shepherd and invest in anybody around him. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, but that was just the Holy Spirit working in him. That was the yeah. Lord bringing. Well, he had a he had a, a real fun side to him too. Just a little yeah. <laughs> little story here related to Dunkin' Donuts. I, I made it very clear that I did not like Dunkin' Donuts coffee, oh. but we would meet there. Our staff meetings every week were there. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and again, I was very verbal about my my distaste disdain <laughs> for Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And so one day I arrived there, and and the manager is suddenly standing behind me. And he presents me a Dunkin' Donuts uh, shirt and the T-shirt that says, "Real friends do not let friends drink Starbucks coffee or something oh, like that." Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so <laughs> Chris had set that up, and he was howling. He just thought that was the the funniest thing in the world. But it did show the rapport he had with the the manager Absolutely. there at the at the yeah. uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Um, so, how how do you reconcile that? You know, on one hand, God opens up doors. It's looks so logical, seamless, perfect. Um, I mean, once you guys had moved down there, we, we saw things expand and, mm-hmm. and open up and even new, you know, we were even talking about other possibilities like planting a church in North Augusta. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then suddenly all this is just in one moment taken away. How, how do you, when did you start needing to reconcile that? And then how did you reconcile that? Yeah, I remember in the very first couple hours after he passed away, um, saying to friends, um, why do we live in Aiken if the Lord knew that all this was going to happen? And, you know, yeah, exactly. Why, why, why did we just move? Like, why, you know, and honestly, I've, you know, I encounter why over so many things. And I've had, uh, well, the Lord has taught me um, and I've seen in his word that, well, first of all, he can handle us coming to him and saying why mm-hmm. I don't get this. I don't understand this. But um, friends encouraging me and just spending time with scripture, I've now kind of latched on to, even if I don't understand the whys and the circumstances, but to look at his character. Who mm-hmm. is he? Who does he say that he is? Because if I start doing the whys, um, you know, which are, are healthy and normal, you know, we all do that stuff. But if I start going down that road, then I really um, start questioning God's motives towards mm-hmm. me. And so um, I can bring all of those dissonance things like, Lord, why would you do this? If mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, and the, I can bring all those things to him, but then I have to rest in who he says he is. 
yeah, and who his no, character is and his word and who he says he is. Yeah. So it's kind of like David in the Psalms, like bringing mm-hmm. all that junk to him, bringing all the raw emotions to him, but then knowing that he's sovereign and he's good. Yeah. And yeah, David and, often included, uh, well, Psalm 13, you know, a um, lot of, lot of screaming and yelling. And at the end, I will yeah. trust in your unfailing yes. love. You know, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. So well, that's wonderful. Not I wrong. love yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Gerald, Gerald Sitster in his book, A Grace Disguise, yes. which I, I believe I, I recommended to you and you ended up reading Oh, I've got that. it. It's such yeah, a Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he talks great. about there's a there's a point where you get past asking why to now what. And, mm-hmm. and so what, what was that now what for you and when did you experience that? Well, um, for me... I mean, obviously I, there was the logistics of, okay, I got to move back to Columbia you had yes. a house there, but, but just in terms of, you know, I mean, look at this. You, you didn't just lose your husband. You lost your ministry. Right. You, know? mm-hmm. uh, you lost a lot of things from this. Um, well, um, I really struggled with identity in the days, months, and even years. Like after this, um, identity has always been a huge thing for me. And the Lord has showed me in the, all this aftermath of the bomb going off and mm-hmm. everything. He showed me how much my own approval and my security has been wrapped up in my identity and who I am. Um, it's like really funny. People think I'm strange, but when I was in college, I really wanted to be a pastor's wife and hmm. I knew that I wanted to be somehow in ministry. However, the Lord, you know, saw fit for me, but I knew that that was something that he was stirring my heart. And be, when Chris and I, um, met each other and started dating, it was just a natural fit and mm-hmm. we were a great team, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, all of a sudden I felt like I lost a lot of roles at once. Like I'm not a wife anymore. I'm not a pastor's wife anymore. I'm not in ministry anymore. And the huge emptiness that I felt over losing all those roles showed me how unhealthy I had my identity wrapped up in those things Mm, mm. and how those things can be gone in an instant in a second. Um, you know, any roles that we cling to, to tell us who we are, you know, it's just like building your house on the sand. Um, mm. And um, so, you know, the one role that I looked at, I was like, what do I have left? Okay, I'm a mom, you know, mm. but um, even that, um, I felt like sometimes I maybe cling to too much um being a mom yeah, it, like because naturally wonderful. naturally you're a mom with mm-hmm. your husband being a dad and there's a partnership yeah. when you're left alone doing that there's a, mm-hmm. a sense of loss there yeah oh yeah and and my kids are kids and they're gonna act like turkeys and they're not gonna disobey mm-hmm. and rebel and like i can't find my identity or my security in who my kids are and how they act, you know? And so that's a really shallow place to be finding my identity as a mom. And so this whole journey has just been me finding my security only in who the Lord says Mm. that I am, which is his child and adopted and his family and an heir with Christ and beloved and completely accepted and completely loved by him and that's the only thing that's going to be secure in mm, life mm. that's it wow well, that's a great answer so the now what for you has been to just cling to who you are in christ given Absolutely. the losses yeah um so how how would you met chris in college right at, right. at college and um I, how how would you describe him 
Um, I would say Jolly. What, 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 what drew you for, what was your first impression oh. of him? Maybe I should start with that. Oh, I just thought he was very approachable, very fun, very lighthearted, constantly being lighthearted. Um, but I also saw in him this drive mm. to follow the Lord and to, um, you know, in college, we all, all have these huge dreams. Like we want to do big things for the Lord. And, you know, mm-hmm. we think we're invincible, you know, all that. But Chris's was different than that in that mm. he was so rooted in Jesus as his identity. Mm-hmm. And he was so solid in his faith mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, you meet somebody like that and you're like, oh, I want to be paired up with that. Wow. You know, that's not just the kind of chemistry that's short term, like, mm-hmm. That's last. That's that's the kind of person I want to be linked yeah, up. Yeah. So was it love at first sight when you met Chris? No, definitely not. I think it took some a little bit of convincing. Um, <laughs> I think I think I really started to be like, okay, like when we we took the long drive from Tacoa to Atlanta to go out, um, and he made me play name that tune in his mm-hmm. in his car with his phone, and you know, like I didn't even know him that well, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna play a song, and you're gonna tell me what it is, and you know. So just, it, he's just very infectious. Mm-hmm. And so I think I started to be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I fell in love with the guy in the year, mm-hmm. year or so that we, we knew him. Yeah, bigger than life. Uh, I mean, he's a big guy, big, strong guy, uh, yeah. great personality, uh, very firm. He would call me two or three times a week, you know, and yeah. And, um, and, and, and I remember it was, it, what I loved about it, this is memorable to me, is he would call and just immediately jump into the issue that you want to talk about. You say, Mitch, and then he would bring up whatever he was you know, mm-hmm. processing or thinking about, always dreaming. He was very intentional. He was very intentional. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, yeah, he didn't want to waste time. He did not want to waste time in conversations. <laughs> well, so he was he, intentional as a husband and a ministry partner and as a friend. I mean, I've heard yeah. story after mm-hmm. story from friends now that he's passed away about what an intentional friend he was. So wow. Wow. just checking in with them constantly, doing whatever they needed it, you mm-hmm. know. So it's been neat yeah. to hear stories of how he um, loved his friends. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's yeah. wonderful to hear you share that as a, 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 in terms of balance that, uh, uh, you know, I, someone was relating to me a story this morning where he, he – uh, brought up, uh, you know, he referred to it as hypocrisy, a guy who was really effective in ministry and, and people loved him. And, and this, this friend who was relating the story to me said, but you're a hypocrite. And the guy was like, what, why are you saying that? He said, well, you, you neglect your wife. You, mm. you just, you don't speak kindly to her around people. And, uh, mm. you know, and, and it's, it's wonderful to hear a story of a man who, love people was passionate for people, but I think he reserved the best of that for you and for the kids. And I feel like the way that I watched him love me and the kids, like still trickles down to now just Mm -hmm. pursuing those relationships and his family with such passion and Mm. such unoffendableness, even, you know, and, all watching him model that and not like he was some superhero. I know it was because he was so closely connected with mm-hmm. the Lord and so passionate mm-hmm. about Jesus affecting every fiber of his being um, that 
but the way that he loved us still trickles down and affects and our that, everyday that's, lives. That's wonderful to hear, the legacy. And encourages you. I mean, you just even yeah. hearing you talk about it, uh, it uh, you miss him a lot, I know. Uh, oh, well. The, the memories, the memories are, are kind of a balm in, in a way, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. well, C.S. Lewis says memories can be torturous or they can comfort. You know, it just depends uh, on, on the mood, you know, <laughs> that we're, that mm-hmm. we're in. Uh, so Chris, Chris used the phrase often. What was it? Push into Jesus. Push I've got into a, Jesus. He <laughs> says it like three times in a row. Push into Jesus. Yeah. Push into Jesus. He's the only yeah. one that's never going to let you down. Yeah. So, what What has that meant for you uh, since since he's been with the Lord? For me, it's been learning to run to Jesus over all these other places and people in life who could maybe momentarily make me feel better about a situation or a hardship or something. But um, for me, I've had to learn to run to Jesus first. Mm. I'm such an extrovert. I, you know, definitely even struggle with finding identity and friendships and people's approval. I'm so addicted to approval. Um, And so I have learned to first run to the Lord with any need and any issue that I have. And, you know, of course, friends have been an amazing sounding board because I'm the biggest verbal processor in the world. Um, But at the end of the day, those friends are still going to be pointing me back to Jesus, pointing me back to his word. And I need, you know, even when I've learned, like when our car breaks down or when I've got some kind of um, problem with the kids or anything like that, running to the Lord first and letting him be that first shelter and comfort and then bringing it to people around me and, and yeah, even to stop and ask him for help when I need mm-hmm. help with something like, yeah. Lord, I'm going to see how you're going to provide this for us or yeah. how you're going to meet this need for us. And because my mind can kind of spiral out mm-hmm. of control. So it, come, it comes out of a, a sound theology, you know, your, your yeah. conviction is that he's reliable, he's faithful, he's, mm-hmm. he's sovereign. Good. Yeah, yeah, and, and you can lean. Yeah, you can lean fully on that, which I think the image of pushing into Jesus uh, uh, described. Yeah, Elizabeth Elliot would often say that uh, that Jesus carries the the heavier end of the cross. Oh and wow! Yes, we can, we can rely on him because we know he he carries the uh, he carries the burden in a way that we we cannot. Um, so what what um, again? This is this is probably a hard question to reflect on, maybe a hard one to answer, but what, what has this been like for the, for the children? You know, it's been a journey of knowing that I can't provide everything that they need. Mm. I can't, yeah, I I can't be there all in all and meet every single need that they have, but knowing that just as the Lord is healing me and working in my heart, he's doing that with them. Mm. And um, a lot of times it comes at the most inopportune times, you know, when I'm busy, you know, they want to talk about things, but I think just being real and raw and honest with them and letting them know like that they can ask me anything Mm. and I'm happy to talk with them about stuff. It's so funny. Kids who've gone through hard things, um, they want to hear the same answers over and over as if they're, um, thinking that the story might change or that the answer. That's interesting. Um, they kind of ask the same things over and over, and yeah. well, they want reassurance as well, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah, you know, it's this it's their for them. yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, but 
I've seen so much so clearly how they ask me things that I feel like I have no capacity to answer. Mm. And in those moments, I've seen the Holy Spirit answer through mm. me in that moment, mm. not before, you know, but in that moment, um, I'll kind of stop and think for a few minutes and then proceed with talking with them about whatever, you know, hard thing they want to know. Yeah. Um, and I've seen the Holy Spirit gift me with exactly the right phrases and, and things like that. So it's been neat to watch the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know there have been the right people in your life as well. I remember you Absolutely. sharing a long ago when we talked that there's a, there's even a family or, a, or another man that has them over to their house once a yeah. week. There's that's, a, that's a really neat family that we were with at the downtown church. And um, there's been so many people like that in our mm-hmm. lives who yeah. have stepped in, who were maybe acquaintances and mm-hmm. fringe people that we adored, but we didn't know that well, but who've said, I feel like the Lord is moving in me to mm. be this for y'all. And so, yes, even after all the crowds have kind of mm-hmm. receded after a huge traumatic or, you yeah. know, loss, it's these these friends. It's the steady the steady presence of friends steady. who were there. And, and to, even um, you know, Chris died four and a half years ago, and his hmm. birthday was Tuesday. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people who hmm. sent me a card or remembered that it was his birthday. You yeah. know, just yeah. so I've seen how the Lord has ministered through just touching people's hearts to hmm. to love on us in ways I didn't even know we well, needed. So. Yeah, what a what a reminder to us to be there for for each other when we go through hardships, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, it, what would you you know? There's a lot of people in marriage and ministry who take for granted, I think, what they have. Um, what message do you have? I would say to protect your marriage and invest in it like mm-hmm. it is you know, a garden that you've got to give constant attention to, or, you know, you've got to be pulling out those weeds and nurturing, you know, um, I have a a mentor in my life who says, whatever we feed and nurture will grow. And so, um, I see how ministry can very easily suck the life out of a marriage because Mm -hmm. it kind of ministry can kind of be all encompassing if you let it. And so I think praying through healthy boundaries and just constant, date nights and constant just nurturing your marriage because it really is the heart of your home mm-hmm. and everything else in your home is going to be affected by yeah. the health of your marriage. And so, um, but I, I, I love the podcast that you did with Jake and Jen, um, mm-hmm. about just being real, um, with your community about even, you know, hard marriage stuff. And I, I love that. Yeah. yeah so, that's a, the, the pastor, your, uh, Jake yeah. and Jen are at the Aiken church that you guys helped that we helped out, uh, to get uh, off it, off the ground. And, uh, they shared about, um, you know, their marriage struggles to their congregation and the congregation came and, uh, stood around them, prayed for them. And, and we, we talked about the importance of vulnerability and, yes. uh, with pastors and, and being transparent um, yeah, well, great answer. I mean, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, not not take not take the marriage for granted in ministry. I think is the, it really is like the heartbeat. Yeah, of, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I love how you describe Chris as a man who, who who knew that balance, but in a sense, there was an imbalance because family is more important than than mm-hmm. marriage uh, and should be. Um, I mean, well, ministry is always going to be needy. It's always sure. going to be needy. Oh, yeah. 
No. Um, <laughs> so any any final thoughts? I know you had some some journal uh, oh, notes yes. of Chris that you wanted um, to, to share. And maybe I, we would, can do that I would love to share um, a little bit about this absolutely fabulous journal that I discovered a few days after he had passed away. He had been, you know, it wasn't every single day, but um, through some really tough stuff in 2012 and then through, you know, some of 2013 too, he was taking a passage and just writing about it, writing everything that came to his mind. And that's one way that I, that I have been able to, that I endure, you know, is mm-hmm. I do the same thing. I take a passage, I might yeah. copy the passage and then I just journal about it. And I even have one journal I used to call my desperation journal. And I would only write in that one when I was feeling desperate and I needed the Lord to really meet me there, you know? And so, but you know, the fact that Chris was doing that and praying for his family and his wife and his ministry through his journal has now made this amazing 39 page almost like the Lord left me a little how-to guide written mm-hmm. by my husband's own hand wow. of That's how to endure. Amazing. I love that. So, love um, that. Well, why don't you read a portion of that yeah, for us? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so he was journaling about Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, and he says, and, and you know, Chris was really open, and so he would not care that I'm sharing this with you. <laughs> if he was a little introvert, got his permission. I, I might be worried, but he would say, that's going to proclaim Jesus. I don't care. Read it. Uh, so, um, this song, this is what he says. This Psalm presents such a comforting and loving and caring God that no matter the circumstance, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, though I'm at death's door, God is with me to comfort me. That was true for David. And it is also true for us. There is no circumstance or situation or crisis that God is not willing to walk us through. Those times will come. That is a fact. This life presents many troubles. And we are even promised that if we follow Jesus, we will be persecuted. So we must lean on Christ in those times. He is our shepherd and comforter. He will lead us and protect us. Um, And then he goes on to to pray for all of us, you know, his little family. Um, So that was in 2012. And, you know, he passed away a year and a half after that. Um, and so reading all of these things of how he was journaling about Christ walking us through tough mm-hmm. times that will mm-hmm. come, you know, has just been so faith building for me to see how the Lord mm-hmm. was even preparing, um, Chris and preparing me and preparing, you know, everything, um, so, yeah, little, did, little did he know that that would become a source of strength and comfort right. for you. And one, yeah. one thing I love about Chris is that I actually found this in one of his journals too. He said, um, Oh, let me make sure I get it right. He says, I want to live a life that brings you glory, not one that makes me feel better about myself. And I feel like all that identity stuff that I've gone through and all, you know, all it's, it's not about me feeling better about myself. Um, it's about glorifying him. Like this is the path that he's chosen for me and just being um, secure and finding um, joy in the mm-hmm. middle of this is where he has me. This is where he's yeah. chosen. That's like, a Carla. That's a phenomenal statement. Uh, I just wrote that down. That it, oh. it, it's striking. I want to live a life that brings glory to you, not that makes me feel better about myself. Right. That's and, that's and, awesome. And that was Chris. And so I feel like we can carry on. Yeah. Because 
I saw Chris live for nothing but Jesus. Mm, yeah. And so I feel like we can carry on, you know, yeah. it's not, our hope is not in anything but the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that you would never be able to say, I don't ever say that, uh, Hey, this is why God did this, you know, but, yeah. uh, but certainly what you can say is that God has proven himself to be faithful, to be good, uh, to be a supportive strength to you. And, and I, I, again, we've talked a few times uh, a year probably, but I, I, uh, every time I, uh, you're, you're stronger, uh, oh. you're smiling, still smiling. Well, I take a lot of comfort from what you're saying about him being faithful. Like Lamentations three is something that mm. I return to constantly because the author is just talking about all this grit. The Lord has broken mm. my teeth with gravel mm. and, mm. um, he talks about so much raw imagery, but then after all that junk, he says, mm-hmm. Great is that faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. Wonderful. So the Lord can handle all that junk. Yeah. You know? Well, what a, what a great way to wrap this up, Carla. This is, great. this has been super encouraging and you're, I'm you're, so glad. I, I know I'm sure you have many opportunities to share your story, but this is another forum to be able to do that. And, uh, so I, I look forward to editing this, putting it together, getting it out there. Cause I know we'll get a good response and, Oh, uh, so thank, thank you, Carla, for making your story available to, to Jesus in this way and sharing it with us. Oh, well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. It's been faith building for me to stop and turn around and look because I can get kind of caught in my circumstances and yeah, take yeah. a look back and just be like, the Lord is carrying me. You yeah, know? That he is. That he is. All right, Carla, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Well, there you have it. What a dramatic story. And I hope that it encouraged you this morning. And whenever you're listening to this, it's morning as I'm recording this. Uh, But thanks for listening. And if you have any questions or comments or even would love to reach out to Carla, I can pass on anything you send to me. Uh, You can email me at beforeyouquit, or sorry, at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.